0: I'm Melinda Poitras, and you're listening to He Said, She Said, the one with books and bros. We're actually going to talk about a book today, a book written by a bro, a book that one of my bros read recently, uh, Peter Pan. It is one of my favorite books on the planet. Uh, My friend just read it and did not like it at all. I knew he wouldn't. It's just funny that this is the week that we talked about it because this is the week that I'm talking about it on the podcast. I adore this book. It was written by J.M. Barrie, and is just breathtaking. It's got everything. There are pirates and mermaids and danger. There's a family element, and there's a little bit of the purest romance. And if you could bottle childhood up like pixie dust and later dump it out, you would find the letters leaving the bottle would make up the words on the pages of this book. I'm telling you, I love it so much. Just listen to the opening lines. All children, except one, grow up. They soon know that they will grow up, and the way Wendy knew was this. One day, when she was two years old, she was playing in a garden, and she plucked another flower and ran with it to her mother. I suppose she must have looked rather delightful, for Mrs. Darling put her hand to her heart and cried, Oh, why can't you remain like this forever? This was all that passed between them on the subject, but henceforth, Wendy knew that she must grow up. You always know after you are two, two is the beginning of the end. Two... Is the beginning of the end. How precious. I just want to keep reading it forever. The book just reminds me that motherhood is noble and lost boys are delightful and anything is possible if you leave your window open. Besides, I do believe in fairies. I do. I do. There is actually nothing like attending a performance of Finding Neverland and clapping for Tinkerbell with the rest of the audience. (laughs) It's just so good. It's a beautiful little story, but the things that have been done with it. In 1929, with both play and novel experiencing riotous success, Barry gifted the copyright to the Great Ormond Street Hospital. Listen to this from the hospital website. Barry had already supported G-O-S-H over many years, and in 1929, he was approached to sit on a committee to help buy land so that the hospital could build a much-needed new wing. Barry declined, but said that he hoped to find another way to help. Two months later, the hospital board was stunned to learn that Barry had donated all his rights for Peter Pan to G-O-S-H. At a Guildhall dinner later that year, Barry explained the impetus for his gift. At one time, Peter Pan was an invalid in the hospital, and it was he who put me up to the little thing I did. Through this gift, Peter Peter Pan's magic made an unprecedented leap from the realm of fiction into reality, and the hospital began to receive royalties every time a production of the play was on, as well as from the sale of Peter Pan books and other products. Barry requested that the amount raised for the hospital from Peter Pan never be revealed, and G.O.S.H. has always honored his wishes. In recognition of J.M. Barry's unprecedented generosity and the exceptional work of the hospital itself, the House of Lords sprinkled more fairy dust over G.O.S.H. in 1988 by voting overwhelmingly for a special clause in the UK's Copyright Designs and Patents Act. This amendment gives the hospital the right to a royalty from Peter Pan in perpetuity. Thus, for over 80 years, the story of Peter Pan and his battle against arch enemy Captain Hook has enchanted children and adults alike and continues to benefit the seriously ill children who come to G.O.S.H. for life-saving treatment every day. One little story still changing lives. If you read the book for yourself, you quickly learn it's more than just play. There are rich and beautiful things buried deep within its pages. I love the picture of mothers sorting through their children's dreams at night or the vivid description of Captain Hook's complicated emotions, but my favorite passage is found on page 35 as Mr. and Mrs. Darling race back toward the nursery in an attempt to reach their children. Will they reach the nursery in time? If so, how delightful for them, and we shall all breathe a sigh of relief but there will be no story on the other hand if they are not in time i solemnly promise that it will all come right in the end they might end up safe but without a story not long ago i went to london myself and i passed by the great ormond hospital I was so excited that day. I could not sleep the night before. I had not been that excited about anything in a really long time. I was so pumped to see everything that I dreamed about in that city. My friends and I boarded a double-decker bus on what was the hottest day I can ever remember experiencing. And I grew up in Africa, okay? It was unbelievably hot the traffic was unbearable Parliament was open people were protesting recent fires it was hard to even move after about an hour and a half we abandoned hope of the bus and entered the tube system I cannot remember ever being so claustrophobic before or since but we were determined to see Peters statue in Kensington Kensington Gardens so onward we pressed the tube station nearest the statue was obviously closed because that was my luck that day, and the next nearest one was not near. And my body, which has come so far in the last few years that I've decided to be friends with and take care of it, my body that had carried me tens of thousands of steps across Scotland mere days before, completely rebelled against me. There has been no time in my life before or since that I was physically incapable of carrying on. But that day, My legs gave out, my lungs gave out, I just literally physically could not. I do not know how far we walked or how many times we stopped, but we finally rounded the corner and there was Peter in all his glory. A beautiful presence left lingering in the gardens where J.M. Berry had met the real life lost boys. A lot had happened. Spiritually, on that trip to Europe, I'll not bore everyone, but I had been attacked on multiple levels and by this point, I was beyond tired. Why do I even mention this? Because no sooner had I collapsed onto the ground at the feet of Peter Pan in a place I had dreamed of visiting my whole life, you know, like Mary Kate Olson and Jesse Spencer and Winning London, I was spent, vulnerable, I had no ounce of energy left in my body, and a man came into that part of the garden with us. I mean, like, I collapsed, he was there, and he said, I am the crocodile, And I'm just like crocodile, like the one that torments Hook in the story or crocodile, like the river spirits worshipped in the town of Paga in Ghana, where I grew up, which ones who's to say who even knows. And he proceeded to proclaim loudly and aggressively that women are filthy and useless and should not ever open their stupid mouths to speak. And I could barely breathe at this point. I closed my eyes, I struggled to inhale, and I signaled to my brain the word I needed to speak. I simply thought, Jesus. And that man turned on his heel and left before the name ever left my lips. He paused at the gate, made direct eye contact with me, and snarled, Fine, but you're ugly. My DeAndra defeated herself in the disaster of the day then had to use the next moment to inform me there was no way we would make Shakespeare's Globe Theater the only other place i desperately wanted to go in london before it closed we found the nearest restroom i was violently ill what a memorable day in london town in the most intensely vulnerable moment of my young life a stranger walked into the garden and identified my greatest fears. I am not worth listening to. I am not worth looking at. And the rest of the day was mostly a blur. I will always treasure it though. I mean, really I did, I do. I'm still smiling about it. I managed not to cry till we got back home. And late in the night, Deandra took the first turn in the shower and I buried my face into the couch and I sobbed my eyes out. And the next day found me on a train. myself headed back to scotland but something significant happened on the train i yielded to the lord on that train i let him know it didn't matter how many random strangers threw things at me three on that trip or who i overheard talking about me when i left the room or what terrible things they had to say on that trip or how long it took me to wrestle away from the man who grabbed me and aggressively tried to solicit my services on that trip. And I'm laughing about this because at least all the men in Europe didn't think that I was ugly, question mark, LOL. I don't know. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what anyone said or did or where they put their hands. I was going to go wherever the Lord wanted. I would love Whoever he needed, I was going to speak to whoever he told me to. I was going to say whatever he said to say, whenever he said to say it, wherever he told me to say it. Even if all of that happened again and again and again, I was his for sure, for certain, for life. I always told him that I would go anywhere but Europe. I don't know that it was even about location. I think it was about how I put a no where he wanted a yes. The truth is, I could have stayed home. I wanted to. I avoided packing until the very night before and then didn't even take a raincoat to Scotland. I could have remained safe in St. Louis and nothing would have ever happened. Nothing would have ever changed. But then there would be no story. But I did go. And by the time I disembarked back in Scotland... I had finally fully surrendered to the Lord. You want to know something interesting? I had seen myself on the platform at North American Youth Congress 2017. I mean, I'm telling you, I saw this in the spirit. And I'd entered the Nats competition and gave my auditions somewhere around what I would consider to be a medium effort. And I hadn't made it shocking. And I was like, see... I'm now seeing things. It was stupid to even try. And when I arrived back in the States, I listened to a voicemail my phone had recorded while I was gone. And LJ Harry informed me that I would be giving a very early morning performance. Or I would be given a slot very early in the morning at Congress. I didn't even know that that was a thing. And I hadn't gotten the voicemail initially because I was in Europe. The Lord launched my speaking ministry the day that I decided I would not ever be intimidated into silence because I was willing to make his voice matter the most. The day that I decided to fully care only about what he thought, only about what he said, only about his approval and what he wanted me to do, then he began opening a series of doors. Doors that still aren't shutting. It wasn't my effort or my skill or my voice or my looks. It was my yes to the story. It was my willingness to leave the window open. There is always risk traveler, but the great myth is that we can make decisions and traverse paths that have less risk than others. It sounds like common sense. The trodden path is the safe one and the unmarked trail is perilous. But this is a lie. The tentacles of this lie have grown like insidious vines so deep into the heart of humans that many of us accept it as absolute and complete common sense fact. But every path, every decision, every lifestyle has risks. Liz Fork and Bohannon. I don't know everything about today or even tomorrow, but I'll tell you what I do know. God's not done with me, I'm not done with Europe. As Jamberry says, if you shut your eyes and are a lucky one, and we are all lucky ones when we are his, the Lord will lead you to incredible places. The story of your life might just be one little story, but oh, the things one little story can do, especially if the Lord is writing it, give him your yes. Your uninhibited, unrestrained, unconditional yes, and watch what he does with it. Second start to the right and straight on till morning. Let's all be better together. You've been listening to He Said, She Said, the one with books and bros. Hopefully something you've heard made you smile, inspired you to think, or called you nearer to a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Thank you for taking time. Thank you for making space. We'll catch you next week. Same time, same place.